All right, good evening. It is seven o'clock on the dot and we are scheduled to begin this night's, this evening's <clears throat> Bible study. Um, my name is Brother Sean Hope for all those that's out there in Zoom land that may not know me. Um, I will, I'm blessed with the privilege to be able to facilitate the class this evening. Um, and before we go to a word of prayer, I want to make a quick announcement. I was in touch with Elder Wilkins today. His sister had some complications from the procedure and she's currently, as I understand it, in ICU and on a ventilator. Um, so please, please, please keep the elder sister in your prayers. We have good elders here. And the scriptures always tell us that good elders deserve a double portion of honor. So everybody pray twice as hard as you normally do. All right, and with that, we'll go ahead and have a quick word of prayer. Lord, our God, our Father in heaven, it's at this time that we come before you with bowed heads and humble hearts. First and foremost, thank you for giving us this day our daily bread. And thank you, Lord, for giving us this space and time and this hour of study to learn another portion of thy word. We come with a special petition at this time for our dear elder here, Elder Wilkins, his family, his sister. We ask that you, the great physician, reach out your hand and touch her, heal her, if it be thy will. Bless the Wilkins family at this time with strength and zeal and comfort in a truly trying time and need, Lord. We ask these we ask this as a family, and we ask this individually as well as collectively. We ask that the things that we study tonight in thy word be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, and that it blesses each and every one of us, feel some things that you would have each and every one of us see, both individually and collectively. These and all other blessings we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to start back at chapter 19 is where we left off first Kings chapter four, uh, verse 19. We had just got done discussing about, uh, we'd finished just talking about King Og, the King of Basham. We were going into the back story of this particular area um, that had been assigned to Yuri, uh, excuse me, to uh, Gerber, who's the son of Yuri. We did a whole, extensive history on them last week. Um, and the leftovers are, there really weren't any leftovers from last week. Um, kind of got to a nice stopping point. There's not much to be left over from, um, we're doing a lot of the establishment of Solomon's organization of the kingdom and his cabinet and who's gonna be in charge of what. Um, kind of taking some notes from his father on that. Solomon's actions uh, dictate that. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot to really go over with that. So we're going to jump on right into recap. There we go. As y'all can tell, I've been working on my slide skills. I'm starting to get kind of greasy with it. So Solomon was ruler over Israel. That's where we started last time. And one of the things that um, is shown throughout the scripture there is that at first it talks about the kingdom being a whole and saying over all Israel. And later on, it splits it down into the northern and southern kingdoms. Um, which indicates showing that there was division there um, at one point in time. 
denoting the separation, recognize the kingdom had been split and it would be split again. We're going to cover that a little bit uh, with some of the history that we're going to run back into, do a little foreshadowing and then jump right back to where we need to be, verse four going into verse five. Go back, okay. Um, Solomon, again, like I say, organizing the kingdom. Um, as far as who is in charge of what, and you will see things, you'll see different things happen to different people and you will, the last time you heard about him was when he uh, assigned him to a position post or uh, level of authority. There we go. Um, and the uh, positions of authority being handed out in the kingdom. Um, so as we move on, we just gonna jump right into the We're going to jump right into that's coming up soon but right now what we're going to do is jump right into uh verse 20 which is where i had we stuck a pin in it um uh last week uh this is verse 20 judah and israel were many as you see how once again they denote that separation there judah and israel were many as the sand which is by the sea and multitude eating and drinking and making merry. One of the things that made me think about this is that um, just from a biblical concept, we understand that the Almighty uh, has given prophecy or has uh, given uh, foretold of future things is gonna happen. And sometimes this, these items are fulfilled in the New Testament. And sometimes it's more of an instant gratification and they're fulfilled in the Old Testament. One of the things that made me think about this scripture in particular, when we're talking about the the people being as many uh, as sand by the sea uh, in multitude, the King James Version, that made me jump back and remember in Genesis uh, 22 uh, verses 15 through 18 in particular, but read the whole uh, chapter as my mentor likes to say, you can't never get enough of the Bible. Um, so uh, in Genesis 22, uh, verses 15 through 18 and I do apologize I did have that scripture up there but I copied the wrong copy of my slides and that's from a slide from last week that I failed to move up to this week but <clears throat> everyone has their bibles and or you you all you got the zoom open right next to a internet connection to a browser so you can just type it in and it'll pull it right up but uh it says in Genesis 22 15 through 18 and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and has not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies and in thy seed shall the nations of earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now we all know about this. This is Abraham and Isaac when he was getting ready to take, uh, sacrifice him and the ram in the bush and the whole nine. We all know that uh, chapter there, but that just made me, uh, it threw a direct correlation to 20 for me as he said that he was going to, that God said he was going to do it, promised to Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, on down, then we get to, hold on, let me not get too fast, ahead of myself here. Got a lot of material to cover, so. But that made me think about um, 
that connection in particular about how God says it and it gets carried out every time 100% without question. So as we move on down, we talk about, uh, we're gonna move on down to chapter, uh, verse 21. And Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river unto the land of the Philistines and unto the borders of Egypt. They brought presents, they brought presents and served Solomon all the days of his life. Now, uh, one of the things that gleanings from that um, is sitting there is just thinking about uh, highlighting the differences between David and Solomon's management styles. Solomon, even though he enacts a pretty heavy tax on folks, you can say here that they say that they brought their presence to him. I mean, if we want to think about it, we're all, we all get charged with taxes every year, but how many of us physically take our taxes and drop them off? I close pin them to the mailbox and say, all right, con Dios. So um, that made me think about that. And this comes up later on. Um, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because I'm going to really try to unpack that best I can. But um, just seeing how father and son, father and son can be effective, but you don't have to be identical to be effective. And Solomon was different than his father, but he respected his father and still, um, as you can see with a lot of the officers that he appointed and with a lot of the uh, people that was placed in positions of authority. Um, moving on down to verse 22, this is interesting because earlier when I had mentioned last week about Ahiashar, who was over the household, if you flip back right quick, chapter four, verse six, um, was over the household. And I said that later on, you're gonna see how this guy's job was a little bit more complicated than it may have sounded. But um, when we start out in verse 22, you start to see what this, this gentleman would be uh, tasked with being over the collection of, the uh, preparation of, as far as being over the household. Um, and in chapter 22, we pick up and it reads, and Solomon's provisions for one day was 30 measures of fine flour and three score measures of meal. Now, when I went and looked that up, um, basically what that is saying is it, it equates out to 300, uh, excuse me, 196 bushels is what 30 measures of fine flour is. And flour, of course, fine flour would mean refined. So it's not in the rough form. This stuff is as powdery and as smooth as it can be. So I don't know how many of y'all, I grew up in the country, so I remember when stuff came in bushels. But if you got a bushel packed to the top, leveled with flour, that's gonna be pretty heavy. And that equated to a bushel weighs about, have the math here, uh, about, it's in the 60 pound range. So essentially what this was, was a day was eight, uh, a little over four tons of material, which would be enough to feed uh, an average or an estimation. This is just, this is a little bit more estimation because um, if you got my family there, it's gonna be on the lower end. Um, <laughs> just being honest, um, 3,000 to 4,800 people, excuse me, 3,000 to 4,800 men, which did not necessarily always include the family. This made me think about um, Jesus's miracle about when he fed the 5,000 with 
two fish and five loaves, I believe it is. Okay, yes, that made me think about that. Just the amount of material that they had. And then it says, uh, as it went on down in 22 and says three scores measure of meal. And that was talking about a different grain and that was about double of what defined flour was. Um, so you're talking about 391 bushels there and about double the weight of what the flour was. I don't mean to get that. I know we don't have any bakers in here, so I'll move on from there. But just showing the magnitude of the opulence that his court would consume in a day. I mean, he was, it was, it, as we keep reading on down in 23, <clears throat> 10 fat oxen and 20 oxen out of the pasture and a hundred sheep besides hearts and roebucks and fallow deer and fatted fowl. Well, of course, 10 oxen would be 10 oxen that were being fattened for slaughter. So they wouldn't be on the heavier end. Oxes in that time, in that part of the world would have been one of the predecessing, predecessor breeds of Zebu cattle, which are very prominent in Africa. Um, they weigh an average of 950 to 1,050 pounds, that's average. That would be more so the ones that were out in the pasture who were grazing. The fatted ones would, of course, have their weight bumped up by as much as 10 to 15% as they were being fed because it was time to get a barbecue going. But if you had that many, that's 10, that's 30 cattle a day, even for the most experienced of barbecuers, that would be a daunting task. I would have to call on half the family for them to come and help me out with that. Um, sheep, mutton, roebucks, and fallow deer, they were talking about game, deer, male and female, and fatted fowl. At that time, I have what they said it probably was, but I found so many conflicting uh, well, it could have been a duck, it could have been a goose, it could have been a this, could have been, so I just said, I'm gonna leave that out. It was fatted fowl. If you put it all in, in flour, some of that fine flour and some hot grease, it all turns out great with a little hot sauce. So there you go. Thank you, Elder Pratt. Uh, tastes like chicken, he said. Um, then we move on down to 20, uh, verse 24. For he had, he had dominion <clears throat> over all the region on this side of the river, from Tipsa even to Azza over all the kings on this side, the river, and he had peace on all sides round about him. This is just all coming to fruition, kind of based off of the promises that had been given earlier. Um, he would walk in the statutes, follow my ways, then I'll be your father, just like I was your father's father. That's been a common theme through here, and it'll it'll keep going. Well. To the end of Solomon, but don't want to get ahead of myself there. Uh, and 20, verse 25, Judah and Israel dwelt safely, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, from Dan even to Bathsheba, Ber, Sheba, all the days of Solomon. And this is a saying is not much there, it's not saying it's not much there, but looking at that, I kind of looked at that saying uh, under his vine and under his fig tree. And that seemed to be like a common saying in the, uh, in the Bible for when things were peace and quiet and every man had enough and it wasn't, it wasn't want in the land at the time. That's uh, just a couple of examples of those scriptures um, that I had is uh, one is in Micah uh, 
four and four. Um, but they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree and none shall make them afraid for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. And then in Zechariah three and 10 in the day, that day said the Lord of hosts shall ye call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. So this is a saying that's kind of goes throughout. I found a whole bunch, uh, not a whole bunch, a couple of more, but I think we all get the point at this point. I don't want to be a dead horse debtor. Um, but this just shows that there's uh, prosperity in the land. Um, and then the next thing as we move on down, we're now going to get into not only what his court was uh, consuming in the day, but then all of his, his horses and this type of thing. And in those days, having horses and chariots, that was a big sign of you had the situation under control uh, financially, militarily, and a whole bunch of other ways. And uh, we jump on down to 20. Oh, before we do that, questions, comments? I don't want to feel like I'm just up here lecturing. Anybody? Okay, we're good. Moving on to uh, 26. And Solomon had 40,000 stalls of 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. Now earlier, I know that the gentleman that said he was over the household I hope that he wasn't responsible for making sure all that shoveling transpired. Because if you got 40,000 stalls, 40,000, you know how much uh, one horse can generate? Okay, like I say, that's, that's some of my countryness coming back on me. Y'all, please forgive me. And those that don't forgive me, please indulge me. Um, so drop it on down to 27. And those officers provided, as that word again, victuals for the fiddles for King Solomon and for all that came unto King Solomon's table. Every man in his month, they lack nothing. Now that right there is putting that rotation of who has to kick that upstairs to the king, each man in a month. As you notice, there's 12 months he had, uh, kicking back over to four, uh, verse uh, seven, right, correct? Verse four, verse seven, it says, and the 12 officers that were over Israel. So each one of these people that he put in a position of authority over a piece of land, um, they were responsible for providing that list that we had just put together. Now, and they did it happily, brought the gifts to him. Now, this is a very heavy yoke, even for Israel at the time, the Lord was blessing him and was blessing him to hold it together. This is going to become a problem for his son, Rehoboam, later on. It's going to come later on. And, and by trying to do things his way and not following kind of, you already got a winning strategy, which we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, don't want to get too far ahead of myself. So 20, verse 28, barley also and straw for the horses and drum, dromedaries brought they unto the place where the officers won every man according to his charge. Um, horses and camels, I believe it was, right? Yeah, I, I ran some of this through because I didn't know what that was and was having to try to figure it out. I sometimes call my mentor and say, hey, Ricky, man, you ever heard of what this word is? And he'll go, yeah, that just means camels, brother. Keep, keep going. So, <clears throat> and then, hold on, let me get over here to my notes. All right, I start going past my notes there. Uh, 
Then we jump down into verse 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, which would connotate wisdom and intelligence exceeding much. There's a difference. And a large and a largest of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. Now, wisdom versus intelligence, you need both. And it's good to have both. But my, my old man used to say, I think I've heard him say that intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put a tomato in a fruit salad. So for what that's worth, that's from Curtis Hope. Um, and then we move on down to verse 30. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the East Country and all the wisdom of Egypt. Now, the East Country, and I don't have it in my notes. I looked up what that would have been in particular. But of course, we all know what Egypt is. And these two places were like the Yale and the Harvard of the old world. That was more, that's where people went to, like if you wanted to become like a real scholarly type person, you would, those are some of the places to the East and Egypt were some of the places that you would aspire to go and study. Um, so as we move on down uh, to 31, uh, this is interesting because these people are actually named, for he was wiser than all men than Ethan the Ezraite and He-Man and Chalcol and Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all nations about, uh, nations round about. Now, if we look, now I'm not, we're not gonna run back over there because we done beat First Chronicles 2.6, given the genealogies to death, but you'll see that how some of these people are connected and related. Oh, wait a minute, not yet, not yet, okay. Um, but also, if you have your Bibles with you, a couple of these other people that were mentioned here is very interesting. You'll turn over to Psalms 88. Um, and I don't know how every how everybody's Bible works, but I know a couple of my Bibles have that little header in there that kind of tells you what the chapter's about and who wrote it, et cetera. If we look at, I don't know if your Bibles have this, but in mine, in Psalms 88, if you read that song or Psalm of the Sons of Court, a chief musician upon and I'm not gonna pronounce all those words, of Heman the Ezraite. This is the same Heman that's being mentioned over here. So a couple of these people that they are mentioning here that they're wiser than Heman, and then Ethan, if you turn over to Psalms 89, that mentions the other person uh, named Mashiel of Ethan the, the Ezraite. Um, these people actually wrote uh, chapters in the book of the Bible. So if you are going to be a one hit wonder, that's the one hit that I know that I would want. The most read book of all time. I, I got a, a, a leaflet in there. That's enough for me. Um, so that was very interesting um, to see that in there because I thought that I was under the impression that uh, David had written all the Psalms uh, up until like a couple at the end. I didn't know that uh, couple of other people had some authorship to the uh, to that book. So um, still moving on down. Um, and he spake 3000 proverbs and his songs were 1005. So we know that he spoke, we, we get a bunch of his proverbs in here, the ones that were inspired by the Almighty as recorded in the basic instructions before leaving earth, the B-I-B-L-E. Um, so we know that we have 
some of those in here. And I didn't see any of his songs, but if you get into dealing with some of those, well, we're not gonna cover that here, like moving right along. Um, but he had a thousand, and, a thousand and five songs. His daddy was a great musician. So he even got some uh, musical talent with it. Uh, moving on down to verse 33. And he spake of trees with, uh, from cedars that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. So there's a lot to unpack in here. This man was the smartest man ever. Because if we look at that and it says that he spake of trees, which I thought um, would have been a connotation more of a dendrologist, but more so it was a botanist as, as it moved into that next, uh, that next sentence where it says cedar trees and then even unto the hyssop, the hyssop, the hyssop plant and the Lebanon, the cedars of Lebanon are very, two very important Old Testament symbols, Lebanon enough to where the cedars of Neville, Lebanon are actually on the Lebanese flag to this day. Um, it was very interesting to, nothing is put in the Bible haphazardly, that I feel, that I think we all would agree with. But showing these two particular plants in particular uh, is interesting because the cedars of Lebanon were very important as far as they were the prime chief building materials at the time for people who had money and those types of things because their resistance, their hardwood, very durable, their fragrance, the grain of wood when cut, and also uh, resistant to termites and things that want to get into it and uh, mess up the situation. So that was very important. So by knowing about those raw materials and to an extent would almost hint at him knowing something about building. Um, it's just like if someone, you know, is someone that has an oil well, he's gonna know something about the price of gases. Brother Elder, did I see a hand? Oh, okay, I thought I saw a hand over there. Okay, and also going to the hyssop plant, the hyssop plant was very important for many things. It was an expirant, it is a cough reliever, it is an antiseptic. So that would show that he had some concepts and ideas of medicine. Also, it was used a lot in religious, um, in religious ceremonies for its essential oil, as well as it was used to as the tool to sprinkle blood. You know, there was a lot of sacrifices. Go to Deuteronomy, boy, they sacrificed something every five minutes. Um, but they used that to sprinkle the blood on that. So that would show some education about religious practices, as well as um, it was used in several dishes as well as fermented into a liqueur. So that would also show that he had some concepts of culinary arts as well as distilling, potentially. I'm just saying, this is a whole lot of information in one man's head. He would go on Jeopardy and clean up, I guarantee it. So as we keep moving on in here and we talk about his spake of beast, which would also make him a zoologist and of fowl, which would make him an ornithologist, and of creeping things, which would make him an entomologist, and of fishes, which would make him an ichthyologist. No, please don't ask me to say that again. That, that there is about all, that, that took something out of me. That almost made me go to the water bottle. So 
And then we get to verse 34 and we kind of end up here. And there came of all people to hear wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. So if, if the, this is the first biblical example of a professor <laughs> and the first biblical example of a TED talk in verse 34. So we fold up uh, verse four and we're gonna just jump right into, uh, excuse me, chapter four, we're gonna jump, move right on over into chapter five. Give me one second to line my notes up while I'm doing that. Brother Elder, please. Please. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You got him, Joe, I have to run over there. Get him on my mic, because I don't want people online missing all this goodness. Uh-oh. Hold on one, one second, folk online. We got the elder with a comment. Don't want y'all to miss this good gravy. <laughs> oh, Go ahead, boy. elder. So uh, I was saying that it's easy, and I do uh, all, all, most often get become focused on Solomon. And uh, verse 29, uh, and I, I clearly believe he possessed a, a tremendous ability and skill. Yes, sir. And God gave, and God gave, and God gave Solomon wisdom. Man an exceedingly great understanding with that wisdom. But what also comes next, largeness of heart. Yes, sir. Like the sand on the seashore. So Solomon was also, he had this sensitivity uh, along with this great wisdom and knowledge that he had. Um, so he really spent quite a breath in terms of what he had to offer by the grace of God. Absolutely. Uh, and in terms of his entertaining or hosting people from various parts of the world. All over, yes sir. And running a large administration. Huge. He displayed tremendous ability. But ultimately what it came back to, who gave it to him? Amen. The Almighty. Yeah. So it's interesting, as big as he was, this was still about God. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for those comments, Brother Elder. Um, and with, I mean, self-awareness is one of the things, humbleness, definitely. This is one of the most humble people ever think about that. If you had more money than Gates, if you had you knew that every time you walked into a place, you were the smartest person in the room, hands down. We're not even going to discuss it. I don't know if I need to be, I need to be blessed, but I don't know if I need to be blessed with that much. Like that Old Testament scripture where it says, Lord, bless me with, bless me with plenty, so bless me with enough so I don't steal. Don't bless me with too much where I forget your name. I have a sermon built off of that called Just Enough for the Day, Lord. But anyway, that's a whole nother situation. Thank you for those comments, Brother Elder. Um, okay, uh, chapter five, beginning uh, at verse one. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servant unto Solomon, for he had heard that they had anointed him king in the room of his father, for Hiram was ever a lover of David. Okay, this is a interesting 
thing here. We're going to pack a lot. I learned a lot about Tyre reading in the five. It's very interesting. This King Hiram um, and his genealogy, the way that he ran his kingdom, I think just predicated upon some of the actions and some of the things that happened as well as the maintenance of that throne that he took some of the some of what he saw between David and Solomon because he was in that mix the whole time. This was the guy that built uh, David's uh, palace when he first took over. Um, Hiram's father is the one that established that kingdom entire, uh, one of the very important Phoenician city-states, um, but let me not get too far ahead of that. Um, okay, now this is, this, is the, this is the Hiram that's a king. Over in chapter seven, we're gonna find another Hiram who is the daughter of a widow, which would be uh, converted into today's uh, words of Hiram Abiff, which means son of the widow. But we're gonna get into that later because through here you get a lot of, the, I know there are probably some uh, brothers in here who are uh, masons of the Masonic order and all that good stuff. And this is one of the big parts of the Bible that they like to get into as far as for some of their uh, initiation rituals. But anyway, that's a whole nother long story. So um, we could take a look at that in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 5, verse 10. This is uh, going to connect the dots a little bit between Hiram and David, and now Hiram and Solomon. Um, and David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel, that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. So there's history here. Um, it's kind of interesting as I read back into, like I say, you jump back into, into 1 Samuel and come on up through 2 Samuel. It's very interesting how it's kind of, and even earlier in that verse there, how he kind of, it was still in some contention there, David and Saul and all of that. And he kind of, was interesting that, to me, now this is my perception of it, he kind of waited to see who the winner was going to be. And I get that. You're the first son of the king who just established the kingdom. You want to make sure that you back the right play. Kind of did the same thing with Solomon, because we all know, jump back over to verse, uh, verse one, about how turbulent his ascension to the throne was, having problems with his brother and some of his father's old cabinet jumping in with him. But he waited until after the coronation, as you can say, to now come and say, oh, how you doing? You, you know, blessed be you and you done taken over your feet. So it's very interesting. I wonder if things had gone the other way, if he would have been contacting another party. So anyway, uh, and we move on down to uh, verse three. Thou knowest how that David, my father, could not build a house unto the name of the Lord his God for the wars which were about him on every side until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. Um, now, that uh, kind of lends jumping back over to First Chronicles 17 and First Chronicles 28. Um, jumping over there right quick, um, that was a lot of scripture up there and I didn't wanna, my slides would have been all off kilter. <laughs> um, but if we look back over there, um, 17 
1 through 12 in particular, I'm not going to, for time's sake, I'm not going to read all of it. But this is when David first came up with the concept uh, in verse 1. And this is also showing Nathan, who's the father of two of Solomon's uh, very highly trusted people in that administration. This connects that family even further. You know that David, Nathan had been with David for a while. Now it came to pass as David sat in the house that David said to Nathan the prophet, lo, I dwell in a house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains, which men in a tent. Um, and Nathan said unto David, do all that, that is in thine heart, for God is with thee. That was the last word that Nathan had gotten from the Lord. And it came to pass that same night that the word of God came to Nathan saying, go and tell David my servant, Thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not build, a, build me a house to dwell in. So that's the Lord saying, ho, 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 the phone. Before he gets too far ahead of himself, let him know that this is the plan. As it reads on down, uh, it reads on down. I don't, like I said, we're not going to read it all for that. That was kind of funny. Uh, verse six is, wherefore I have walked with all Israel, spake I a word to any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people, saying, why have ye not built me a house of cedars? The Lord is saying, you know, if I wanted that, I could have done that. Now, it's going to be your son who ends up building this house. And as we read on down there through 12, that's what it kind of uh, establishes. Over in First Chronicles 28, that's when he, David has all the people uh, together and he kind of announces uh, what's going on with that plan and that his Solomon, that's when the plan of succession is really put into place. I like to jump over to First Chronicles as we have a couple of times because the chronicle, uh, uh, the, the chronicles give, break down some of the things that we see in First Kings and Samuel uh, a little more granularly, granularly, there we go. Um, so that was uh, all I had to say about that. So now going on down to verses, uh, the next few verses. But now, and this is Solomon talking, uh, King James Version. But now the Lord, my God, has given me rest on every side so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurring. And behold, I propose to build a house unto the name of the Lord, my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build an house unto my name. Now, therefore, command thou that they hew me cedars of trees out of Lebanon, and my servants shall be with thy servants, and unto thee will I give hire for thy servants according to all that thou shalt appoint. But thou knowest that there is not among us any that can skill, any that can skill to hew timber like unto the Sidonians. Okay, so now we're getting into chapters. Uh, in verse six, it's very interesting to me. I say that this is the first time that we can see a corporation being formed here. I mean, he has a board of directors. He's cutting a deal with a guy. This is this is project management. His project is building the temple. So he's combined some workers. And if I was this guy, I would be pretty happy too if I just became the sole source provider for the resources for the largest public work and most in public, important public work 
in the most powerful kingdom at the time, um, people like that aren't poor very long. Uh, <laughs> but as we keep looking at that, it was interesting as he talks about the skill to hew timber like unto the Sidonians. That put a little bit further of the research that I had done about the cedars of Lebanon over in chapter, uh, chapter four, verse 33, that these timbers right now, they're different than what we think cedars are, excuse me, the Lebanese cedars. It's very different than what we think they are. Um, and when it's saying here that there's no skill to hew unto like the Sidonians, it's very interesting that even until this day, because uh, Lebanese cedars on the uh, conservation status have entered a vulnerable status, which means they're not extinct, but they're open to it. It's a special, it, as I researched them, there's a special cutting technique, two special cutting techniques on how to cut them, where to cut them, so that the forest replenished themselves and all of that. And that exists to this day, which is very interesting that they mentioned in there about uh, the Sidonians and their skill to hew timber, especially that kind. Um, let's see, oh, wait a minute. Is that my last? Okay, yes, like I say, I apologize y'all because I have the wrong deck up there. It was the in progress deck, not the finalized deck. But that's not on y'all, that's on me. So um, <clears throat> as we move on down uh, in verse seven, uh, and it came to pass when Hiram heard the words of Solomon that he rejoiced greatly and said, blessed be the Lord this day, which has given unto David a wise son over this great people. Now he's laying it on thick as we like to say, where I come from. Yeah, I would, I would be best buddies if somebody just told me, hey, I'm about to make you a very rich man. Um, in verse eight, and Hiram sent to Solomon saying, I have considered the things which thou sentest to me for, and I will do all thy desire concerning timber of cedar and concerning timber of fir. Now, um, where is that I have? It's in 2 Chronicles 2, that's where it was. 2 Chronicles 2 verses 1 through 18 gives a much more detailed account of what happens um, as far as what the actual purchase order was. Um, let me flip over there right quick. Oh boy, oh boy, 2 Chronicles 2. Like I say, not going to read the entire uh, uh, not going to read the entire situation for like I say for expediency's sake um, but a couple of verses that's very interesting when it kind of breaks down the purchase order and Solomon determined to build a house for the name of the Lord and a house for his kingdom and Solomon told uh, told out three score and ten thousand men to bear burdens and four score thousand to hew in the mountains and 3,600 to oversee them. And Solomon sent to Huram, which is the king of Tyre. This kind of jumps back to last week when we were talking about uh, the recorder that was in David's uh, entourage or in his initial and how he was called different names at different points in the Bible. I use the example of how you could say, Ricky Cook preached last Sunday, 
Garrett Cook will preach next Sunday and it's the same guy. This gives an example of that same type of thing. While it's pronounced and spelled Hiram there, it's pronounced, plus pronounced a little differently and spelled with one letter missing uh, or one letter different, I should say. And thou didst deal with my David, and thou didst deal with David my father, and didst send him cedars to build him a house that we just covered to dwell therein, even so deal with me. So as we jump on down in the scripture, uh, comes on down, uh, and this is where he talks about Hiram, uh, seven and eight, uh, excuse me, verse seven. Send me now therefore a man cunning to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in iron and in purple and crimson and blue and that can skill to grave and cunning men that are with me in Judah and in Jerusalem whom David my father did provide. So this is him getting the workforce and everything getting ready to go. Now in 10 and behold, I will give to thy servants the hewers that cut timber 20,000 measures of beaten wheat and 20,000 measures of barley and 20,000 baths of wine and 20,000 baths of oil. So I did a conversion for all of that stuff. Let's just say it's a lot. No one is, no one is going to be like us and claim to be underpaid or maybe that's just me. Okay, hope my, <laughs> get in line huh brother elder? or underfed, amen, brother. Um, and as we jump on down, uh, and he's actually mentioned in verse 14, or 13 and 14, and now I have sent a cunning man endued with understanding of Huram, my father, the son of a woman of the daughter of Dan, and his father was a man of Tyre, skillful to work in gold and in silver and in brass, in iron, in stone and in timber, in purple and blue and in fine linens and in crimson, also to gave grave any manner of graving and to find out every device which shall to put to him with thy cunning men and with the cunning men of my Lord David thy father. So he basically just got Bob Vila here, a man that seems to be the number one builder, but I'm like I said, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to jump back over into uh, Kings chapter four and we are now, uh, excuse me, Chapter five, verse eight. Okay, uh, and Hiram sent to Solomon, oh no, excuse me, verse nine, verse nine. My servants shall bring them down from Lebanon unto the sea, and I will convey them by sea in floats unto the place that thou hast appointed me, and will cause them to be discharged there, and thou shalt receive them and thou shalt accomplish my desire in giving food for my household. Now, something is very interesting here as I got a little bit more interested in this Hiram guy. He's very happy to be the sole source provider for all of the raw materials for this great big work for this very powerful kingdom. But not only was he happy about that, one of the things that this thing, we all know that Tyre becomes a trading power, especially as it gets a little more to like the Roman ages and those types of things, and as Phoenicia gets more, uh, matures more, is that one of the things by cutting this deal with, with Solomon, he ensured that he would continue to enjoy the prosperity from the trade routes that were protected by Solomon that led into Egypt, Arabia, and Mesopotamia. 
So not only is he getting the money from all of this construction contracts, he now has a trade route that's auto protected that he doesn't even have to worry about. He can send goods and services and everything will be just fine because as it said here, as they were planning out the delivery routes for all of these materials, all those boats carrying all those materials, I hope that nobody believes that that's all that he sent on those nice guarded trade routes and boats that were getting paid to come there and deliver stuff. So it is 10 minutes till, so I will, we will bring this thing onto the tarmac, and pull up the parking brake at verse nine, and we will pick up at verse 10 next week, the Lord willing. Uh, let's have a quick word of prayer. Lord, our gracious God in heaven, we come before your throne of grace once again. Thank you for this hour of study. Thank you for this freedom and time to be able to study another portion of thy word. We ask a special blessing now upon our country, our church, and this land as far as the sickness that seems to be trying to restart itself. Lord, we ask that you please keep, let that sickness pass from our land and bring us back all out here safe and sound where we can fellowship and not have to worry about getting sick or getting each other sick, Lord. Forgive us of our many sins and bless us and keep us safe throughout the week until we meet here at the next appointed time. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Good evening. Let us prepare uh, for our devotional this evening by singing song, uh, hymn number 57 from Songs of Faith and Praise. Great is thy faithfulness. Song number 57. Great is thy faithfulness. Let us sing. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy and love great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies i see all i have needed thy hand have provided Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings, all mine, with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Good evening, everyone. I want to thank Brother Antoine for seeing his time. It was pretty good tonight. Um, uh, for those who are listening via Zoom, we actually have two classes, as a reminder, going on right now. And uh, in between us all getting together for this portion of getting together, um, you know, there's a little bit of maybe a minute or two of lull, or you may hear some chatter in the background. That's just us doing church stuff. Uh, so bear with us, but uh, Brother Antoine kicked in right on time. Uh, pretty good tonight. Uh, thanks. Uh, it seems that uh, as we 
go through what we're going through in terms of you know virtual and and being here there's still are some some things we're learning from and we're still growing from but it all comes back together um uh, thanks anyhow so tonight uh, i am standing in for brother michael uh we want to wish him and his sister the best uh he had to travel to uh be with her while she was getting the surgery um and so i think most would have seen the email that came out today please keep him and his sister deborah in prayer um, and remember the others that are in the bulletin and other things that are going on uh if you can uh, recall um, every so often kind of pull back and reflect on those that have uh, appeared in the bulletin maybe a week two weeks a month ago uh, sometimes those things are not fully resolved and they're still going on and so we kind of want to remember um, remember that um, if possible and it's not a, a a condemnation or anything like that it's just an encouragement even for me to remember that um, as we get started, um, have some thoughts. We have the Olympics going on right now. I don't know if any, anyone's aware of that, but uh, the Olympics are going on right now. Uh, and I thought a little bit about um, what people go through to achieve what they want to achieve. So I, I kind of wondered, has, uh, has anyone ever gone through some sacrifice and giving something up in order to get what you want. I was an athlete in high school, and uh, that's how I got to college. Was, the only way I could get there was through a scholarship. I couldn't, my mom couldn't afford for me to go to college. So some of the things that I had to learn, my first coach taught me, he would come and pick us up, a few of us, about three of us, about, six or so in the morning to take us to the beach to run. If you walked in sand, try imagine running and getting in condition in the sand. So I had to give up some sleep. I had to give up a little bit of uh, relaxation. Eventually, I would have to walk to practice a few miles after school. And I have to practice walk home a few miles, giving up and sacrificing a few things in order to achieve that. I can't imagine there are a number of people here that have given up or sacrificed something in order to get something else in life. So in that vein, I kind of want to switch a little. Reading from Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of this country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show ye. I will make thee, I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in all these, and in, all, and thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that had gotten in, and souls that they had gotten in um, Aaron. And they went forth into the land of Canaan. 
Abram abandoned his friends, his native country, family, to go somewhere that was unknown, simply because and not, it's not a simple issue, but a simple fact that God told him to. So what we see for me is a fantastic and awesome example of a person surrendering himself to God. He gave up and surrendered a lot. Ecdotos, to surrender, give out or to give over. In the book of Matthew, Christ is speaking. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his course and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In the book of Romans, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Galatians chapter two. I have been crucified with Christ and, I, it is I, <laughs> and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son God, of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. And so we surrendered to God. Hearing and believing in putting on Christ in baptism, we surrender. In a similar fashion to how Abram surrendered. So we are a model for others and for the world. As I kind of conclude this evening, I will say this, that if you don't know the Lord the way that he expects or wants you to know him. You've heard the gospel message or you would like to learn more about it. I would plead with you and encourage you to surrender your life to Christ. There's no substitute. At a time when it may seem you are outnumbered, you have them just where you want them. Because you're in the majority. I will never forsake you. I will never leave. So if you're hearing my voice, I plead with you as we begin to sing the next song to surrender your life to Christ. If you are a member and there's something on your heart that you'd like for the church to pray for you, or you'd like some support with. If you're present tonight, one, you'd like to obey the gospel, we can take care of that right now. If you are listening via Zoom, contact the elders at elders at lowellchurch.net. We will assist you as soon as we physically can. If there's something on your heart and you're listening via Zoom, Contact the elders once again at elders at lowerchurch.net.
I'll even go a little bit further and encourage you to come out on Sunday to hear the message. Members, visitors, anyone, everyone's welcome. We have a wonderful message. We have the wonderful class going on. Feel free, and I still say I encourage you, if it fits, to come on out. That's not, if you are capable, that's not let this opportunity pass us by. It's not just for you, it is for others. Very often when we gather together, it's a smile, it's a pat on the back, it's a handshake. It's something that's said that you may not even recognize or recall or even say that encourages or supports someone else. So our gathering one way or the other, whether it's a call midweek, our gathering together and supporting each other can touch others in so many ways. And especially for those of us in the household of faith. What we do and what we say, is it us or is it God has placed something on our heart to say or do? And so what you say may be just what someone else needs to see or hear. Let's not forget that spirit that works in us, that we have surrendered to it. If we surrendered to it, maybe knocking on the door and say, I got this opportunity, I need you to do your part. If there is a need, feel free to step forward as we sing the song. Kneel at the cross, Christ will meet you there, he intercedes for you. Lift up your voice, leave with him your care, and begin life anew. Kneel at the cross, Leave every care, kneel at the cross. Jesus will meet you there, meet you there. Kneel at the cross, there is room for all who what is glory share. Bliss there awaits, harm can never befall those who are anchored there. Kneel at the cross, leave every care. Kneel at the cross. Jesus will meet you there, meet you there. Kneel at the cross, give your idols up, look unto realms above. Turn not again to life's sparkling cup, and trust always in his love. Kneel 
at the cross, leave every care, kneel at the cross, Jesus will meet you there. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we've come together to study a portion of your word. Uh, bless your servants, uh, Heavenly Father, bless Brother Brent, bless Brother Sean as they lead us in lessons this evening, or led us in lessons this evening. Uh, thank you for their willingness to be of service in your kingdom. Uh, strengthen them, encourage them, give them more and more and more to give us, Heavenly Father. Protect them, be with them. Be with all who are suffering in some capacity. Be with especially Brother Michael and his sister, Deborah. Be with all who presented uh, petitions on Sunday, Heavenly Father. There are many who are suffering in various ways. Give us all strength and courage. Be with us as we prepare to depart. Help us to have a steady mind. Help us to study more independently and collectively your word. Help us to be doers of your word, Heavenly Father. Help us to be thirsty for your word and seek it each and every day and to live it. Place upon our hearts a desire to be with each other together Place upon our hearts a desire to grow with you and with each other. Place upon our hearts the desire, a greater desire, to reach out and seek and save the lost. Place upon our hearts the desire to help those who are in need, the ill, the suffering, those who are in prison, those who are struggling with various kinds of things personally and things that have been inflicted upon them, Heavenly Father. Be with us until the next appointed time. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.